everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. In today's episode, we are going to be focusing on how to gain an eternal focus with our lives. And I want to start out with two really powerful quotes. The first one is from Jim Elliott, and he wrote, Father, let me lose my clutch on everything temporal. My life, my reputation, my possessions. Lord, let me lose the tension of the grasping hand. Open my hand to receive the nail of Calvary as Christ was opened. He thought heaven, yea, equality with God, not a thing to be clutched at. So let me release my grasp. And the other quote is from Leonard Ravenhill. And he said, where, oh, where are the eternity conscious believers? Where are the souls white hot for God because they fear his holy name and presence and live with eternity's values in view? And I believe that there are really two things that our lives are marked with when we are eternally focused. In today's world, it is very easy to become distracted by things that won't last for eternity. But when we are building our lives around things that will last for eternity— We have two things that we focus on. First is cultivating our relationship with Christ, knowing him, delighting in his word, worshiping him, spending time in his presence, really developing our relationship with God and going as deep into our relationship with him as we possibly can. As it says in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When you're not just fitting him into your life, but you're truly building your life around your relationship with him. And the second thing, when we have an eternal focus, is that we learn how to turn outward. Instead of just living for self and self-pursuits and selfish pleasure, we are burdened to fulfill the Great Commission, to bring the gospel to the nations, to make disciples, to become Christ's hands and his feet. Our life takes on a purpose beyond just our own survival and our own fulfillment. Now, what's interesting about those two areas of life, focusing on our relationship with God and turning outward and serving, is that many of us don't feel that we have time for either one of those things. We think, well, I would love to pray more. I'd love to spend more time in God's presence, but it's just not realistic for me right now. Or, yeah, I know I should be doing more to serve and to turn outward, but my life is already just so busy and full with work, with ministry, with family. But yet most of us wouldn't consider spending less time on social media, less time watching movies, less time channel surfing, less time posting on Instagram, less time browsing Pinterest, or less time texting with our friends in order to make those things a priority. When those things become a priority, we find that we can make time for them and we do have time for them. It's simply a matter of where our focus is and what's truly a priority to us. The great temptation of our culture and our world today, and even among Christians, this is probably the biggest temptation, is to become distracted by temporal, meaningless things and to spend our lives on those things. It's one of the greatest schemes of the enemy today is to pull our focus away from eternity and get us completely caught up and distracted by the things of this earth and the cares of this life. I remember a number of years ago sitting backstage in a green room before Eric and I were about to go on stage and speak, and the worship team that was going to start out the meeting was back there as well, and everyone was sort of sipping on their soft drinks and getting their snacks and chit-chatting before the service began, 
And a lot of the worship team members were talking about very worldly things. They were they had seen some episode of Saturday Night Live the night before, and they were joking about it and, you know, repeating back all the funny and crude jokes that they thought were great from the show and laughing about them. Some were talking about the latest movies that they had seen a couple nights before. Some were talking about their favorite sports teams. Every bit of the conversation was very worldly and not eternally focused at all. And and some of it was downright not God-honoring either. And I remember being disturbed because the pastor came in and he said, okay, guys, it's time to pray. And he offered this quick little one-minute prayer. And then everyone just sort of shifted direction, you know, like a light bulb turning on. It's like, okay, now it's time to get spiritual. And so then they went out on stage within minutes of talking about such meaningless temporal things. And they were immediately praising God, worshiping, lifting their hands in praise and singing about things of eternity. But it was like they they didn't even prepare their hearts. They went immediately from reveling in the things of this world to trying to focus on Christ. And it felt like such hypocrisy to me. But I remember at that moment, as I was disturbed by this, God convicting me and saying, you know, you have the same patterns in your own life. You know, I wasn't necessarily reveling in Saturday Night Live and things like that, but I began to look at my life, even as a Christian leader, I had drifted away from making Christ my first love and from building my world and my focus around eternal things. What had sort of led to this is because Our life in ministry was stressful, and we felt like we needed a reprieve every week. So we began, instead of turning to God and time in his presence for our refueling, we began turning to movies and television and novels and the things of this world. And it started out innocent enough, but it quickly got out of its place. And God began to show me, you know, you have the exact same hypocrisy in your own life. You're a Christian leader, and yet you would rather spend a night in a Grisham novel instead of reading inspiring Christian biographies. You would rather search the internet for decorating and fashion trends than search the word of God for priceless nuggets of truth. You would rather sit in front of a movie than sit at the feet of Jesus. And when I looked at those things, I realized that was very true. And I was extremely convicted. My life had felt empty and I had been struggling with just feeling depressed and not very satisfied with the way my life was going, even though on the outside we had a lot of success. This was probably about 15 years ago that this was happening and we had, you know, our books were working well and our events were successful and they seemed to be reaching a lot of people. But inwardly, I was not making Jesus Christ my first love and my mind was not focused primarily on eternal things. And God began to awaken me and say, I want you to return to your first love. I want you to begin building your life around me once again. And I want you to make your focus things that are going to last for eternity. As I began to compare the things that were going to last for eternity with the temporal things of this world that I had been spending my free time on, they began to seem more and more meaningless. Why was it important if I saw, you know, the latest Hollywood movie? Why was it important for me to read, you know, every novel that came out? Why was it important for me to be up on all the latest trends of everything and spend hours on the internet? I began to realize that the only way that I could truly find fulfillment is to build my life around things that would last for eternity. 
So God walked me through a process where I began to value time in his presence and prayer and studying his word and reading Christian biographies and even learning how to be more outward focused. Even though I was in Christian ministry, I had become sort of self-protective. When I wasn't on stage, I was in my own little self-protective bubble. And God began to poke at all of those areas of my life and take me through my own personal season of revival and shift my focus back to the things of eternity. And as he did, I began to feel truly fulfilled for the first time in many years. I began to feel truly joyful again for the first time in many years. And one of the practical ways God began to deal with me in this area was to show me the difference between, quote, me time and God time. I had this mindset that if I didn't have a lot of me time every week, I would shrivel up, I would become ineffective in my ministry. And I think a lot of people who are in any kind of a demanding type of job, a demanding ministry, if you're a mom with young kids, there's that message that is out there, well, you need to have your me time. Otherwise, you're not going to be effective in anything that you're doing. I began to be so protective of that me time that I began to miss amazing opportunities to share the gospel with people. I missed time even in the presence of God because I was so obsessed with getting me time. And for me, that meant, you know, doing whatever I wanted, watching a movie, watching a TV show, surfing the internet, doing things that were very meaningless, but had that feeling of, well, I'm just doing what I feel like doing. And that's that's healthy and good for me time. I began to look at the example of Christ and how he refueled. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's worth revisiting where whenever he had really poured himself out, he didn't go off for a time of refueling just to kind of have fun and relax and kick back. He went to a solitary place and there he prayed. It says in Mark 1, 32 through 35. And then it says again in Mark 6, 46, that after he fed the multitude and sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. And I began to recognize that what I truly needed wasn't necessarily me time, or just time to do whatever I felt like doing, whatever frivolous activity came into my head, but I needed God time. I did need time alone. I did need time of solitude. I did need to be refueled, but I needed to be refueled with things that were eternal in their focus, not things that were trivial. Now, this doesn't mean that every fun activity is wrong, that it's always wrong to do something uh, like watch a movie or you know go on the internet and look for ideas. But we have to be so guarded. This can so quickly be something that gets out of control in our life. I received an email not long ago from a girl who is literally on the mission field, working with orphans, attempting to live a poured out life for Christ. And her big downfall, her big struggle was spending more time on Facebook than in prayer and seeking God. She just didn't know how to get her social media life under control, and it was literally taking the place of prayer and seeking God every single day. And I think that is what we are all in danger of doing when we're not purposeful about having an eternal focus with our life. So I want to give you a little checklist here. If an activity has eternal value, how can we know if what we're spending our time on truly has eternal value? First, it causes us to draw closer to Jesus Christ or learn more about him. Or it builds meaningful relationships with the people that God has put in our life. Maybe it helps us bless others or it assists us in sharing the love of Christ with them. Or it helps us become better equipped for the things that God has called us to do. 
It leaves us refreshed and peaceful instead of agitated and distracted. And it bears good fruit instead of bad fruit in our lives. And for a more complete list of what that means, good fruit versus bad fruit, study Galatians 5, 19 through 26, where it talks about the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. I want to encourage you to evaluate your daily activities and the things you're building your life around in light of that list. Does it draw you closer to Christ? Does it help you build lasting relationships with others? Does it help you turn outward? Does it make you better equipped as a soldier of the cross? Does it leave you refreshed and peaceful? And does it bear good fruit in your life? If it does, those are great things for you to focus on and spend your time on. But if it's the opposite, think about ways that you can begin replacing trivial time wasters for purposeful time in God's presence and time that is focused on turning outward, serving others, and sharing the gospel with the people that he's placed in your life. If you study the life of the Proverbs 31 woman and also the life of the godly woman that's described in 1 Timothy 5.10, you will see an eternally focused outward life. A lot of women look at these passages of scripture and just say, oh, that's ridiculous. This this lady is just trying to please everybody and prove to the world that she's, you know, a good wife and a good mom and she does all these things. And if I did all of that, I would burn out. But the key here is that she is focused on Jesus Christ. She is offering herself as a living sacrifice to him, and she has her eyes fixed on eternity. She doesn't wash the feet of the saints and reach out her hands to the poor and extend her arms to the needy out of a sense of trying to impress other people. She does it out of a surrendered heart to Jesus Christ to say, Lord, my life is no longer my own. And that is what makes her example, the example of both of these women, so powerful. It's not a matter of looking at a checklist and saying, well, I have to do everything the Proverbs 31 woman does or everything the the woman in 1 Timothy 5.10 does. It's a matter of saying, Lord, my life is yours and I want to build my life around things that are going to last for eternity. And that's what shapes us into godly women. It's amazing to think about the fact that a lot of what is in our daily life won't last for eternity. Facebook will not last, and social media will not last, and movies and pop culture entertainment will not last, and fashion and decorating trends will not last, and a lot of our social interactions and activities will not last, and our hobbies will not last. They will not be things that we carry with us into eternity, and yet they're often the things that consume the bulk of our time and our energy. In somewhere around 1870, Catherine Booth, who was the co-founder of the Salvation Army, wrote these words, It will be a happy day for England when Christian ladies transfer their attentions from poodles and terriers to destitute and starving children. And in that day, it was very popular for fashionable English ladies to breed dogs and talk about their dogs and just become caught up in that trivial aspect of life. And only a few miles away from where these wealthy women lived and were so consumed with the things of this earth, there were destitute and starving children that were being completely overlooked. And I think that's happening even in today's world as well. When our lives are built around temporal things, we don't see the need all around us. We don't hear the cries of the lost happening all around us. 
We have to commit to turning down the noise of the culture, to turning down the distraction of of social media, to put our devices in their place, to get our phones out of our face long enough to turn our gaze upward and to learn how to care about the things that God cares about. Two key questions that I encourage you to ask when it comes to learning how to build your life around eternity. First, are you positioning your life around things that really matter in light of eternity, things that will last, that you will take with you into heaven? And secondly, are you willing to do whatever it takes to become God's hands and his feet to this world, even if it requires sacrifice and discomfort? And we're going to talk about this more in a future podcast, but when it comes to living a poured out life and becoming the hands and the feet of Christ to this world, a lot of us feel that it's something we can just check off of a list. It's like, well, I've gone on my summer missions trip once a year, and I I volunteer once a week at this outreach center. But are we willing to truly pour our lives out for others in a sacrificial way? Amy Carmichael, who's one of my great heroes of Christian history, when she was a young woman, she had a ministry to poor young girls in her community. And a lot of the wealthy Christians that saw the work she was doing and admired it, they wanted to come alongside and help, but she would turn them down if she sensed that they were only doing it for a sense of personal fulfillment. Well, I want to do my duty. I want to feel like I'm doing something good with my life, as opposed to someone who truly had a passion for Jesus Christ and had a heart that was burdened for these young women and truly wanted to display the love of Christ in a sacrificial way, those were the type of workers that she was seeking. And I believe those are the type of workers God is seeking today, not not people who just sort of fit it in when it's convenient, but people who say, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes, even if you want to pour out my very life's blood. I want to become your hands and your feet. There's a story I recently heard about Gladys Aylward, who was one of the great missionaries to China. And many of us are familiar with her story, but I had never heard this part of her story. Just a little anecdote before she went to China. She was saving every penny that she had. She was working very hard as a maid to try to pay her way to China. She felt so clearly that God had called her to bring the gospel to China. She was willing to go through extreme discomfort in order to fulfill that call and to be obedient and to built her life around the things of eternity instead of the things of this world. And she had a pair of comfortable, expensive leather shoes that she wore all the time because she was on her feet a lot. And she went to the street where there were a lot of shops and she decided to sell her comfortable leather shoes. She found in an old um, clearance type of bin these kind of old shoes that did fit her, but they were both left feet. So she she exchanged her comfortable shoes that fit her well for two left shoes. And she wore those all the way into China. And she wore them for many years. And it was such a powerful story because I thought, wow, do we have our eyes so fixed upon eternity that reaching souls for the glory of God is more important to us than the soles of our feet being comfortable. And I think a lot of us don't think about it that way, but we think, well, of course I would have to have good shoes. You know, I can't go anywhere without good shoes. But if it means reaching even one more soul, getting to China that much sooner to share the gospel, Gladys Aylward was willing to sacrifice that. Are we willing to make those same kinds of sacrifices? 
Another woman that I really admire from history from the early 1900s is a woman named Lilius Trotter. She was born into a wealthy Victorian home, and she made a decision as a young woman to give up the opportunity to become a famous artist. And the reason was because she had her eyes fixed on eternity. She began to recognize that she couldn't truly build her life around the things that mattered in light of eternity and become a famous painter at the same time. And one of the things that she wrote around this time in her life were these words, never has it been so easy to live in half a dozen harmless worlds at once, art, music, social science, games, motoring, the following of some profession, and so on. In between them, we run the risk of drifting about, the good hiding the best. It is easy to find out whether our lives are focused, and if so, where the focus lies. Where do our thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing back when the pressure is off during the day? Dare to have it out with God and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ in his glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him. And a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. What powerful words. Now, she's mentioning things that were popular in the early 1900s, art, music, social science, games, motoring, which was driving around in fancy motor cars and looking at scenery, and the following of some profession. And she's saying the good can so easily hide the best. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with any of those things. But when we spend our lives on them, we drift about with the good hiding the best. When we focus on Jesus Christ and his glory and we turn our soul's vision to him, a strange dimness comes over everything else that is apart from him. And those words that she wrote somewhere around 1900, 1905, inspired the hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, this process of switching to an eternal focus, shifting our gaze from the temporal passing things of this world to things that will last for eternity, it starts with small steps of obedience. You don't have to sail across the world or go to China or even be in full-time ministry to begin living with an eternal focus. Right where you are today, in your school, in your workplace, in your home, you can begin to shift your gaze to eternity, to shine the light of Christ, to become his hands and feet, and to build your life around your relationship with him. But our eyes must be fixed on eternity in order to do those things, or else we will quickly be in danger of frittering our life away on meaningless things. Catherine Booth, I uh, quoted her earlier, the co-founder of the Salvation Army, went through a season of her life when she was a young mother, had four children under the age of four, and God challenged her to rise above even the, the noble call of being a wife and a mother. And he said, I have something even more for you. Not that she was to neglect her calling as a wife and a mother, but she was to add even more to it by turning outward and going to the slums and ministering to the destitute and being willing to get up on platforms and testify to the unsaved of the work that God had done in her life. And she wrestled a lot with this because she did not feel confident or qualified for this call. And yet she felt God pressing her into those things to get out of her comfort zone and to rise up for the sake of the souls all around her. And this was something that she wrote many years later to the other women of the Salvation Army. Actually, this, these were words that she said to the other women of the Salvation Army. 
Will you be encouraged, my sister? Never mind trembling. I trembled. Never mind your heart beating. Mine beat nearly through. Never mind how weak you are. I have gone many a time from the bed to the pulpit and back from the pulpit to the bed. It is not by my human power, wisdom, might, or strength. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. He loves to use the weak things that the excellency may be seen of God. If your neighbors were sick of some devastating plague and you could go and help them, would you not do it? Would you say, I am only a woman and I cannot go? Or would you say, let me go, like Miss Nightingale did to the sick and wounded soldiers, let me go? And these are not the bodies, but the souls. They are dying. They are going to an eternal death. Will you not rise up? Those words are so convicting and so powerful to realize what is happening all around us, the lives of people are hanging in the balance. And if we are frittering our lives away on meaningless things, if we are living for selfish pleasure, then we will one day have to answer to God for that at the great judgment day. And that's a very sobering thought. And as Catherine Booth says, will you not rise up? I encourage you today to say, Lord, what small steps of obedience have you called me to take? And maybe there are some big steps of obedience that he's called you to take. But those steps that will say, Lord, I want to build my life around things that matter in light of eternity, to turn off the TV, to turn off the movies, to turn off the computer, to put your phone down and to say, Lord, I want to fix my gaze on you. I want to turn my gaze upward and outward. So some final thoughts that I want to share with you today. The calling to live with an eternal focus is every Christian woman's calling. It's not a special call for certain women like Gladys Aylward or Catherine Booth. You have a calling and a purpose, and it's to shine God's light to this world, to make disciples of those that he's put in your life. Share the gospel. Become his hands and feet. This life is not just about pursuing your own dreams and happiness. You are enlisted into his service, into his army, when you become a child of God. So gaining an eternal focus starts with a new heart attitude, one that says, my life is no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm ready to put aside selfish, shallow living and make myself completely available to you, Lord, no matter the cost. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this topic, I encourage you to join us for our upcoming Set Apart Conference, May 26th and 27th, 2017. And you can learn more about how to stream a simulcast of this event or join us in Colorado by visiting setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.